Well, once again, Cougar Nation, we welcome you back inside Studio B at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for our Week 6 edition of the Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's show, we'll review last week's home win over Utah State in the final scheduled game between these in-state rivals. It was a win that boosted BYU to 16th in both the AP and coaches' polls, heading into this weekend's Las Vegas date with Notre Dame. And to discuss it all, we've got Offensive Coordinator Aaron Roderick and Special Teams Coordinator at Lamb. And we'll start things out on the offensive side of the ball with OC and QB coach Aaron Roderick. Coach A-Rod, good to see you once again. Good to be here. All right, um, a little more distant uh, as it was two games before Saturday, two days before Saturday, but yep. uh, coming off the Oregon loss, which you were uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, you've won back-to-back -back games, back-to-back -back home games to kind of get right. You scored 38 points in both games, zero giveaways in both games. Average 10 yards per pass attempt in both games. Yeah. So how well do you think your offense performed in getting back uh, on track? Well, we're, I'm never satisfied, but I thought, you know, we were, again, the, the, the no turnovers is always the number one goal. And if, if you don't turn the ball over, you know, we, I sound like a broken record. I always talk about it. if you don't turn it over, you got a great chance to win. And we're taking great care of the ball. And then we were very explosive in this game. We, we were by – our measure of explosive plays, we were one explosive in every four plays in that game and had a lot of big plays. So um, still a lot of things we can clean up. It was a very weird game. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to the weirdness in a second. What, what's your measure for explosives, by the way, rush and pass? 10-yard uh, ten ten yard runs and 15-yard uh, uh, passes. Okay. Yeah. So whether you call them chunks or explosives. Yeah, I, don't know, yeah. I don't know what the NCAA no. stats consider that, but that's, that's how we measure them. Your standard then. Yeah. So 10-plus for rushes and 15-plus for, for passes. Yes. And it was a good day in terms of explosive drive percentage against Utah State that way. Yeah, we had a lot of big plays. Uh, I thought a lot of our, our – um, we, we broke tackles, made people miss in space. A lot, of, a lot of our big plays were short passes where we'd run with the ball after the catch, which was, we, was good to see. We haven't had a ton of that this year. We had some explosive runs where we broke tackles and mm -hmm. ran through some arm tackles. Utah State had a lot of people in the box, and they were blitzing like crazy the whole game. Uh, so it was – Tough sledding that way, but the guys were breaking tackles and making plays, and that was, it was good to see. Against USU, it was one of the strangest first quarters you will ever see, yeah. stat-wise. One minute and 14 seconds of possession time, which includes nine, nine seconds on a kickoff return. So zero rushing yards, five snaps, and yet you're leading 14-7 after one. Yeah, it was the weirdest game I've ever been a part of. The, we had five plays in the first quarter and uh, 19 plays at halftime. Yeah, and, uh, it was 54-19 at halftime. Yeah, and they clearly had a plan to, you know, eat as much clock as they could. Utah State's a fast-tempo offense. Uh, all year long, they've been, and, and all last season, they, they play a very fast pace, and against us, they were snapping the ball uh, under 10 seconds on the, on the play clock every play. Mm -hmm. Their offense was. Um, they ran the quarterback a lot, and were just trying to stay on the field and keep us off. And, uh, and then we didn't help ourselves. We had... Three three and outs, which was the that was the downside of the game was those those three and outs. Um, we you know we got to do better with those. Well, it, 
we'll get to that in a second, but Utah State's first drive, they, they, they took four and a half minutes off the clock. They went 12 plays, 75 yards, and you came right back. And yeah. two, <laughs> plays, two plays later, you're in the end zone, and it was, and, and it was, it was a 34-yard pass and a 31-yard pass, and suddenly uh, it, the game's tied at seven. The first play you drew up, it was to Gunner. Was that going to be a clearly by design thing? Let's get him back in it. Yeah, we wanted to throw the ball to Gunner first play of the game. I, I, you know, he, he's been such a big part of our team. For, for years now, and I felt for him missing so much time off, especially since he's been practicing full speed for weeks, and they finally cleared him to play, so I wanted to reward him just for having such a great attitude, and uh, you know, all he's been through has been tough on him, but we were so happy to have him back. And then it was almost a curse that we scored so easily. I mean, two plays and we scored, and I think there was a little bit of just, uh, maybe we relaxed a little bit. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, but it felt like then, then their offense stayed on the field for a long time, and by the time we got back out there again, we started to press a little bit. You know, it was like it felt like we hadn't been mm. on the field for so long. You yeah. start, you want to get it all right now, and then you go three and out, and you start to press a little more. And so it was a little tense there for you know a little bit. I know, I know. Um, it probably wasn't a lot of fun to watch and wasn't very fun to coach either. In terms of real clock time, you were on the, uh, on the sideline for quite a while because in the midst of all that, there was the pick six. So you score the touchdown, score on defense, long drive again, 12 plays. And so it was a while before you got back yeah, on the field. It felt like the old days playing Air Force or Navy where you, you wait forever to get back out there and then you feel a lot of pressure to do something with the ball. You know, we've got to go. When you get it, yeah. yeah. And, and then a, a three and out just increases that pressure that you put on yourself. And once we got to halftime, we were able to talk through it and say, hey, guys, let's go score, which I'm sure we're going to get to that. But yeah. scoring first possession of the game and first possession of the third quarter is something that we always are striving for, and we, we did it well this game. Let's uh, just back to Gunner for a quick second. How would you rate uh, his return on uh, Thursday night? He played well. I mean, he had an impact immediately. Um, I know he feels like he could have played better, but um, I was really happy with him. Um, you know, I was worried about this hit that he took right there just because just he hasn't played in a while. I, he's not in great shape yet. Um, so I think each game you're going to see him get in better shape and just play better. But I, I guess it was a good, a good start for uh, you know, what's coming because obviously we have a huge challenge this week and we're really going to need it. I'm not sure whether we're going to see it or not in this, but uh, later in the game there's a ball that he can't quite bring in in the end zone. Do you think in the back of his mind or his body is telling him protect yourself on that play instead of lay out? I asked him that question, and um, I don't know if that's the case or not, but I'm really confident he'll make that play next time. It'd be natural, though, wouldn't it, after that amount of time? Sure, yeah. yeah, he's been off for a long time, and um, it was good. It was, he, he played just the, the right amount of snaps, made some plays, got knocked around a little bit, and now I feel like you know, he should be ready to go full, full go uh, this week against Notre Dame. So for a first game back, plus a little bit of extra rest, you're happy with how he's pacing for maybe the rest yeah. of the year starting yeah, Saturday. And my trust level in him is so high. He's a veteran player. He knows everything we're doing. And he's always come up big in the big games. So you brought it out already, but the only three three and outs in the game for you were back to back to back yeah. after that opening oh. touchdown drive. I think it was nine plays minus nine yards. A weird stint for you that way. It was. Um, it was a weird stint. And we had a... We had to work through a couple things, and um, Jaron took a little hit that kind of had me concerned in one of those series. So I, I was being a little protective mm. there for a little bit, just trying to keep him upright. You know, he's such a good player, and I don't, I don't want to get him hurt. So we, we did it. You know, I was probably a little, little bit conservative there for a while, um, looking out for him. You were down at one point, 17-14 in that first half. 
get a chance to take a lead late in the second quarter, got to the 17-yard line, and it's a false start, and it's a sack, and you're settling for a field goal at that point. Yeah, um, that was disappointing. Um, we've got a, we've, we've been playing better in the red zone lately, and then this game I thought we were, you know, I, I can't remember which series were actual what the NCAA considers red zone and what we consider red zone, but mm. we, I know we, we, got it, we, we can finish drives better than we did in that game. Uh, false starts. Um, there were two in the red zone on last Thursday. I think yeah. four for the game. Some days are more difficult than others that way. Yeah, they were simulating our our snap count, which is illegal. It's not. It's against the rules. We asked the refs to to stop it. So that was a factor and, then for the game. Yeah, they, yeah, I mean, they were flat out saying set hut. They were saying our snap count. It wasn't. Mm. You know, it's legal to have a different word where you say move or something like that. They were actually saying our snap count. Um, Jaron spoke to the refs about it, and uh, they, I guess they didn't hear it. I'm not sure. I, you know, I, I know those guys uh, call the game as well as they can. Maybe they just weren't hearing it, but it was throwing us off, and we had to, we had to work through it. We had three or four uh, snap infractions that were all due to them mm. making those calls. You, you brought up the Air Force reference a little earlier, and, and you get to halftime, and it felt like an old Air Force game where the, uh, Utah State had the ball 21-plus. You had the ball about 8-plus in terms of possession time. And it's more than possession time, but still, you're minus 13 and a half. Yeah. Not a lot of plays to snap. You said 19 at halftime, and that's a really low number. Yeah, that's usually a quarter. You know, and, yeah. um, we, we're usually 35, you know, 30 to 35 at halftime, and it was only 19. It was, it was frustrating. Minus 21 rushing yards, uh, fewest and a half since 1993. But again, a factor of, I mean, when you have 19 snaps, you can only rush it and pass it so many times. That said, it was tough to get the ground game going on, on Thursday at yeah, the start. We, we, we didn't really try that much in the first half. Um, and we got, uh, you know, we just, we didn't even really get a chance to even dive, dive into our game plan. You know, we had, we had a good game plan. I, I knew it was going to work. I knew we'd get the run game going, but when you only have 19 snaps to work with, you don't even, and several of those are third downs, you know, and third downs, a whole different entity, a whole other world. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't even really get a chance to even test our game plan until the third quarter. So were you kind of going to halftime like, well, not, not exactly throw it out, but you were pretty confident that you could flip things around in the yeah, second half. There wasn't anything to throw out. I was like, I just can't wait to get to the third quarter and actually run the, the game plan that we have because <laughs> mm. we hadn't even gotten to it yet. Uh, and then third quarter was more of what we had planned from the beginning. It just turned out to be a weird day. I think it was your first coin toss one this year where you actually got to defer and get the ball to start the second half. It was, yeah, that was our first one. Okay, 17-17 uh, was the halftime score last Thursday. Uh, time for a short break. A reminder that BYU football with Kalani Sitake airs tomorrow night and every Tuesday at 6.30 Mountain Time on the BYU TV app. We have a live studio audience across the way in Studio C. Check my Twitter feed today for the seat request link, and we'll see you over there tomorrow night. Coming up after the break, how BYU ultimately took control of its game with Utah State, came away with an eventual 38-26 win, plus A-Rod's Offensive Player of the Week as the coordinator's corner continues after this. Stay with us. Slap of the ball, a fire to Keanu Hill. Keanu makes the catch, 20, 15, 10, 5. He's going to go in. Right side, touchdown, Keanu Hill. It's a 31-yard catch and run for Keanu Hill. And the Cougs strike quickly to make it 7-6 with a PAT pending. All right, so BYU improving to 4-1 with a 38-26 Thursday night win over Utah State. Seventh time all-time, seventh time that BYU's won four games in the month of September. 
BYU's done that in back-to-back seasons for only the second time. It happened first back in 1993 and 1994, now in 21 and 22. There you go. Coordinator's Corner continues now with BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick, the coach, and the Cougs prepping for a Saturday Shamrock Series showdown with Notre Dame at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. But back to the Utah State game for a few remaining minutes. You were tied 17-17 at halftime. Started to turn things around really in that second half. Started the game with a TD. Started the second half with a TD, as you alluded to. Uh, six plays in that drive that opened up the third quarter. And four were chunk plays, bigger plays, including the first career touchdown for Ethan Erickson at tight end. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, had a lot of confidence in Ethan. Um... Well, can you tell us about Ethan Erickson? He's very athletic. He's long. Um, he's tough. He's got great ball skills. He's, he, you know, I, I think I, I can't remember if I said on this show or to other media members during fall camp, I said that Ethan's going to be a very good player here at some point, maybe, maybe this season. You know, I, I, at the time I wasn't sure and I didn't want to put any pressure on his development, but um, he really stepped up and he's such a big target and he's, he's got great ball skills. And here is the touchdown pass, uh, nearly an explosive if you want to go by yardage. It was 14 yards, but uh, that's Ethan Erickson making the catch in the end zone. And on that drive then, so you had a 14-yard rush, chunk play, 15-yard catch, chunk play, 16-yard catch, and then of that 14-yard touchdown reception. So you were getting him in, in bigger chunks there when you got going. Yeah, and, and that, that drive was a little more what, to what our game plan had been. You know, we finally had, got a chance to actually – get that going and uh, I thought the guys did a good job executing and it was great to see Ethan make that play. He, he caught that pass over one of his high school teammates mm. from Kahuku. So that's cool. He was kind of excited about that. Uh, another receiving option for you. Um, you had no Mason Wake in this game, no Pukunaku in this game, no Chase Roberts in this game. You've really not had all of your weapons together in any game this season, but you are going to just find a way, right? Yeah. And, and you know, I've said this before, no one's going to feel sorry for us or, or, you know, because somebody's not available to play. So each guy knows they just got to step up and be ready to play. And, and um, you know, we build the game plan around whoever's available and then the guy's got to go do it. And I was really happy with, with uh, the performances of Ethan and, and Cody and, and you know, all the, all the skill guys. It was great to get Gunner back and then mm-hmm. a bunch of guys step up. Was Puka out with the hope that he'd be back in time for Notre Dame? Was that the hope? <laughs> you know, He's had such bad luck. I just, I've, I've just kind of resigned myself to just waiting to be told when I have him. And then uh, I feel, I really feel bad for him because he's doing everything right to get back, and he's just, he's had just really bad luck this year. How about Chase? How's he coming along? Um, well, I thought he was going to play last week, and um, didn't. In fact, I was told that he would, and then it turned out that he wasn't able to. So kind of the same thing. He's, he's kind of had some bad luck lately. So um, happy to get Gunner back, and we'll just keep working with who we have. Were you surprised not to have Mason available last week, or did you kind of suspect that going in that he, he might he not be a, able? He had a concussion in the game before, and they're just, okay. with the short week, there weren't enough days to, uh, there weren't enough days to get through the protocol. But so we, could he clear for Notre Dame, yeah, maybe? we'll have him this week. That's excellent. All right. Um, by the way, back-to-back touchdown drives to start the third quarter for you as you kind of took control of this one. And 61 of the 75 yards in your second TD drive in the third quarter came on Cody Epps' receptions. He's been something else. He has, and... Um, Cody, you know, he never never ceases to amaze me. The, the kid uh, just he plays. He's a young guy still, but he plays like a veteran. He does a lot of things that you can't really coach. He just has a great feel for the game, and he has a ton of confidence in himself. Um, and just keeps getting better every week. 
and you have chosen him as your offensive player of the week for his efforts against Utah State. And he leads your team in receptions on the season at this point still. Yeah, and the, the, you know, the, his, the job he did as a receiving was great. And Fessy, though, we, you know, we grade every player on every play. And uh, Cody graded in 90%. I can't remember, like 93 or 94%. So he, he played very well without the ball as well. So what are you looking for? I mean, people say, well, he's a good blocker then. Uh, is it, are, what are you looking for when he's not the guy with the ball in his well, sometimes hands? It's, sometimes your job as a receiver is to uh, make the right adjustment to a coverage to get your teammate open, you know, and, and do, do something with the right technique where you understand, okay, on this particular look, my, I'm not getting the ball, but I'm going to do it right to help my teammate get open. Where another look is like, okay, I'm against this coverage, this is my time. I'm getting it, so now I've got to do my part and count on my other teammates to space the field correctly. You know, it all works. It all works together. All fits together. The spacing on the field, um, the seeing the coverages, and the guys have to understand when it's their time and when they're helping their teammates. And he's a he's a great teammate. There's been a lot of guys that's been their time because of how many weapons you've been down between Cody and Keanu and Cosper. You're keeping things afloat pretty well. Yeah, those three guys have been very consistent, and you know I'm really, really glad we have them. I'm not surprised at all. I've always believed Cosper would be a good player, um, and Keanu proved last year that he's a good player, and, mm -hmm. and now Cody's showing it as well. Last couple uh, notes on the Utah State game. Um, you had four chances to score in the fourth. By, by that point, you got double-digit lead. You feel like you're kind of in control. You had four chances to score in the fourth quarter. You did score once uh, on the Chris Brooks touchdown, right? Yeah. But there were two field goal misses and a turnover on downs. And, and the field goal misses are the ones coming once you've gotten into the red zone where you expect to get points. Yeah, um, you know, we, we got to work through that. Um, that's let Coach Lamb handle that. We've got mm -hmm. to work that, through that. We were... We were being uh, admittedly very conservative in that fourth quarter. I just, I did not want to, we had the game, I felt like we had the game under control. I know the, everybody would like to win by more points than we did. Uh, everybody wants to score a million points, but we had the game under control and I did not want to give any chance for uh, Utah State to get another hit on Jaron mm. passing game. I just felt like the smart move there was run the ball, be conservative, uh, play for the three points, you know, get out of here with a win and get Jaron healthy to the next game. Red zone, red zone numbers on the screen, Aaron. Uh, they just disappeared. But uh, how would you say red zone's done through five games so far this year? Well, we'd like to be get more touchdowns, um, and you know, our field goal kicking situation is what it is, and hopefully, it's going to improve. Um, but we would like to be more uh, in the 75% touchdowns range. You know, that's that's a good number. In the past, we've been even higher than that, um, mm -hmm. but. 75% touchdowns in the red zone is, is a good solid number, and that's, that's what we're striving for. And we have a lot of games left to get there. 54% right now yeah. at red zone touchdowns. Yeah, and that's, that's an area we, gotta, we have to do a little better. But um, I, like I said, the other night, I think that number could have been better had we been a little more aggressive. I mm. just, they were blitzing at literally every play, and often they were blitzing more guys than we could block, which means there's a good chance you got to throw hot and get the ball out before they hit the quarterback. And I just elected to play it smart and, and keep Jaron healthy. Let's return to the uh, the turnover situation. Another game with zero giveaways. Yeah. Your only turnover, your only giveaway on the season came in the first weekend of September. We're in the first week of October now, dating back to at least 1972. My numbers only go back to 1972 when Lavelle took over. BYU'd never gone, ever, four consecutive games without a single turnover. And now you've done it in the same season here. Yeah, that's uh, and, that, and that's in, an intentional thing. We we talk about it, we practice it, we preach it. It's part of how we game plan. It's part of how we practice. And um, every NFL scout I've talked to about Jaron says his best quality is how good, how well he takes care of the football. 
Hmm. You know, you watch NFL games yesterday and interceptions, fumbles. I mean, those are the turning points in those NFL games and the margin of victory is so small in that league. They're looking for guys who can take care of the ball and everybody mentions it about him. And um, it's, it's an important part of our winning formula is taking care of the football. And there are six teams in the country with no fumbles lost. You're one of those six teams. Yeah, and hopefully we can keep that going at least one more game. Put it on the ground once, I think, in the – was it yeah, once we, the Utah State put, game got it back? Yeah, we put one on the ground. It had an exchange issue yeah. with Jaron and Peeney. In fact, uh, Clark Barrington, how he got that ball back is I – thought, I thought it was I lost there for I a second. I watched the replay. Yeah. I don't know how, how Clark got it, but that's uh, the second time. And Clark had one of those last year where the other team had it, and he found a way to rip it out. Uh, so it was a great effort by Clark to get it back for us. 6.6 yards per play, 10.0, I think, yards per attempt again, winning numbers for you guys. Yeah, if we have zero turnovers and 10 yards you know, per pass attempt, those two, just those two numbers alone, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stats in football that I don't think are super meaningful, um, and, and I don't get too caught up in them. But when you have no turnovers and you're throwing the ball for 10 yards per attempt, you got a great chance to win. That's back-to-back weeks of that uh, at that, that 10 number as well. And, you know, you never want to take him for granted. And, and again, he was, he was working through some stuff, getting knocked around a little bit. But another impressive night for Jaron Hall uh, leading you and, uh, again, impressing the scouts, as you mentioned, game by game. Just no better hand on the wheel right now than Jaron Hall. Yeah, he played very well again and, you know, and, and did a lot of good work in a very small number of snaps. You know, we had, I think we had 58 snaps total or something like that for the game for the whole game we were right around 58 or 60 plays which is low and uh he had you know 27 pass attempts which you know if he gets more pass attempts those numbers are going to be higher and and uh those will come that were you know i'd like to try to keep him healthy it got to 60 officially in the final book 81 to 60 was the final margin in terms of plays run yeah like i said those just those are really good numbers for such a short short game. All right, time for a break. And as we take this time out, a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality, and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now Harriman. This weekend, 16th ranked BYU facing Notre Dame in Las Vegas. Tune in for Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio beginning at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 3.30 Mountain this Saturday afternoon from Allegiant Stadium. Coming up next, some closing comments with BYU's offense coordinator, Aaron Roderick. Coordinator's Corner continues after this. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Stay with us. Chest high snap to Legault. And throws a deflected pass. It's intercepted. Max Tooley at the 30, the 25, the 20, 15, 10. He will go for his second pick six of the season. Max Tooley in, and the Kooks take the lead. Max Tooley, one of three FBS players with two pick sixes on the year. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, visiting with BYU's offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach Aaron Roderick. 4-1 BYU facing 2-2 Notre Dame Saturday in Las Vegas. Ninth all-time meeting. Fighting Irish lead the series six games to two. First time these teams face on a neutral field. All right, uh, through five games of uh, football for BYU, Looking back, and they all kind of jumble a little bit, uh, where do you think BYU maybe played its most complete game through the five, and where do you hope to see the most improvement moving forward? Well, the South Florida was probably our most complete game. Um, the Baylor game, I thought we really showed a lot of character, you know, finding a way to win that game against a great defense. And, um, you know, and then there's been positives in all the games I, th- I think you can take away, and, and there's definitely things we want to improve upon as well going forward. And 
um, I'm confident that we will. Not that your team worries a great deal about the external perspective on things, but you just won a couple games where you were heavily favored to win. Now you come into an environment where you have a team that's expected to, well, they're the favorite right now. Notre Dame is favored. Yeah. Neutral field, sold out environment. How do you expect maybe that, that element or that component to affect your guys if they were expected to kind of you know, cruise earlier? It's not the same situation this weekend. Yeah, no, no one's going to take Notre Dame lightly. <laughs> that's a... Is, you know that's a historically great program. Um, I think our players will be excited to play, and yeah, they're favored. Um, everybody knows that, and and they have a really good team. I mean, they you watch them play on on defense. They don't have very many weaknesses, if any, and they're big and physical, and they have great great skill in the secondary. As you've been watching them now for a few days, uh, what are some talking points from the Notre Dame defense? Uh, physical front, and people have not been able to run the ball on them for really two years, but they've, they've been good against the run. Um, and they are very skilled in the secondary. They play a lot of man coverage and um, they'll blitz you um, really on any down and just play man coverage and they have a lot of confidence that they can cover. The 0-2 start or the 2-2 record, should that be deceiving in any way about Notre Dame and the, the caliber of team they have? Well, I think the, the quarterback getting hurt probably was a factor in at least one of those games. He, got, he left in the second game, I think, right? Game. Yeah. And then I just think, um, you know, the, the first game was against Ohio State, so we know how good Ohio State And they showed was. okay against them, they I did. thought. That yeah. was, they did. And they, they shut Ohio State's offense down. That was a – they struggled to move the ball. Um, and then the second game, I think, um, you know, it was just the quarterback getting hurt, and, and I think maybe they had – I don't know, maybe they had a little letdown after the Ohio State game, but then they've won. They've taken care of business the next two games, so – um, they are a team that's improving each week. They're coming off a bye. Uh, you've been the team when you've yeah. been, when you've been the team on the bye playing a game like this. How, how do you how do you kind of view it? Well, bye weeks can be good or bad. You know, I mean, sometimes when you're playing well, you, you might not want a bye week because you don't want to break your momentum. And then sometimes bye weeks are good to get healthy or, or you know, uh, but. It is what it is. We can't do anything about it, and um, they had an extra week to prepare for us, so that's an advantage for them. But I'm excited, you know, for our game plan, and and uh, we'll get one extra practice this week than we normally get mm -hmm. because of the Thursday game last week. So um, I'm confident we'll be ready. And finally, it's your second look at Allegiant Stadium. A great environment last year for the Arizona game. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was, and um, this time it's a home game for Notre Dame. They, I think, they were allotted more tickets than we were. But yeah. I've also heard that some, a lot of our fans bought some of their tickets, so <laughs> hopefully we have a good turnout, and I'm excited. It's going to be electric. Really looking forward to it. All right, uh, good luck in the week of prep, and good luck against the Fighting Irish on Saturday. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. All right, that is Coach Aaron Roderick. Fans, you can get expanded pregame coverage of BYU's Shamrock Series set two with Notre Dame this Saturday afternoon. It's BYU Sports Nation game day starting at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 2.30 in Las Vegas. Coming up next, we'll hear from BYU's special teams coordinator at Lamb. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with Coach Lamb next. You're back in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU now 4-1 and one and ranked 16th in both the AP and coaches' polls after a 38-26 home win over Utah State last Thursday night. BYU's 13th straight win at night 
and 14th consecutive home win in the nighttime. This week, it's a late afternoon affair in Las Vegas. Cougs taking on 2-2 two two Notre Dame at Allegiant Stadium in the Fighting Irish's annual Shamrock Series. Technically, for Notre Dame, a home game, but at a neutral field in a place BYU traditionally draws well. We'll see how well the Cougs do at finding tickets for this weekend. We begin the second half of today's show with BYU Special Teams Coordinator, Safeties Coach, and Assistant Head Coach Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, welcome back. Thanks, Greg. Well, two weeks ago, uh, BYU beat Wyoming 38-24. Then last Thursday, you beat Utah State 38-26. Nearly identical scores. Did it feel like you played the same game twice, or is there enough differences between the two that uh, really stood apart, or did you kind of feel that there were some that kind of did feel like the same game in some ways? Oh, similarities. I, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I hadn't thought about it like that, but I think that um, you know certainly we're getting teams best shot teams in the mountain west um in particular and and with our ranking teams are bringing their best shot and i think we you know feel like we can improve in so many areas and from that perspective yes um you know similar similar games but each of those teams had their own strengths and and weaknesses and things that we were trying to uh, stop and exploit and so it's you know they each had a, a truly distinct flavor to me one maybe uh, maybe a connective uh tone for both was um halftime adjustments and better second halves maybe in both games uh to kind of take control in both instances sure yeah i think there were there were some adjustments needed and uh and really for our players to adjust into the game and and coaches as well and yeah, i thought in, in both games that was a, a key part of the story to utah state we often talk about how your in-game impressions of a game will differ when your reflections after after you review it. Um, did the Utah State review kind of confirm some or most of what you thought you saw live? Um, I think that, you know, defensively, especially as we watched the, the video of the first half, we felt like that we had the, the right numbers there and we just weren't fitting correctly. I thought that the, um, it was, the only similarity that I could draw would be um, trying to prepare for a, a triple option team on a short week. Mm. With the way that we chose to practice and, uh, Two days before the game, now 48 hours before the game, we have essentially a walkthrough instead of a practice. And there are some real advantages to that. But um, one of the disadvantages on that short week was we only got one day of, of real practice. And I thought that some of the mistakes that we were making up in the up in the front seven wouldn't have shown up had we been able to take that full speed practice, watch a video, make corrections, and come back to another day of full speed. So we, uh, you know, we made some adjustments at halftime as coaches just to make the angles a little cleaner, and, and our guys you know, responded to that really well. Okay, well, when you throw into that the fact that you prepped for Logan Bonner and then you see Cooper Lega, yeah, how much did that affect what you had planned to do and ended up getting done? Yeah, I think it really was the speed of it that, that caught us. Uh, you know, um, Cooper did a fantastic job of, of bringing the ball downhill off tackle and uh, brought it at a, at a speed that we just wouldn't have tried to replicate really in the game, uh, in the practice, the, our one practice that week. So that was a surprise. And again, like we should have done better. We could have done better in the first half, especially. And um, But, you know, get a little bit of credit to Utah State, obviously, for what they did. Very strange opening quarter of football. Essentially one minute of offensive possession for BYU. Five offensive plays for BYU. It was a pick six on defense, which helps. It was a very unique 14-7 game with BYU leading after 15 minutes where you almost didn't see the ball on offense. Yeah, that's the old, uh, the old uh, curse of the pick six as the defense comes right back out on the field. And and uh, typically, no matter how much they've been through it, it's still kind of always a surprise. Like, oh yeah, we're back up. And and so it gives the you know the opponent's offense a chance to, to come right back out and, and try to reestablish a drive after a disappointment. And uh, yeah, that was, the, that was really the story of the first quarter. I think 34-5 to 
might have been the snap count in the first quarter, which is off the charts unusual. Yeah, we were not able to create uh, many third and longs, and the ones that we did, we weren't able to, to get off the field on defense, and so that, uh, that's what happens in that situation. Uh, when the season started, um, I'm going to talk safeties for a second, uh, your position. Malik Moore and Ammon Hanneman were your starters at safety. And then against Utah State, uh, no Malik, and it was Micah Harper and Talon Alfrey. They were your starters and your two leading tacklers last Thursday. Maybe um, a little bit about Talon Alfrey, since he's the name that wasn't really in the mix at the very start of the season in terms of a starting spot. Sure, yeah, we had, um, we had, had high hopes for Talon last season uh, after what he had done at spring ball uh, two years ago. And then he, right before training camp began, he uh, tore his Achilles, and that's a, that's a horrible injury. It takes a while to come back from. And even in this fall camp, this past fall camp, he just wasn't quite full speed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, almost almost to a noticeable limp going on. And uh, he's just steadily and slowly coming back. And he's a great tackler. He's a very courageous player. He's got a good uh, skill for in the, with the ball in the air as well. And uh, yeah, Malik's working back through an injury. I'm not sure how much um, you know how quickly he'll be back from that, and and uh, Ammon's still a you know we consider him a starter as well, so he'll be working in the mix. So what does your safety group look like right now heading into Notre Dame? Uh, I think that you know those those three guys certainly would. Uh, Micah, Talon, and Ammon. Yeah, Micah, Talon. Ethan and Slade in the mix. Ethan Slade's doing a fantastic job. Consider him a co-starter as well. Uh, Hayden Livingston has a lot of um, experience for us and a very trustworthy yep. guy. He knows what to do. He's great at setting the whole defense. So we'll just continue to, to, to work with the, you know, whoever we have on that given day. And, and sometimes the depth chart gets juggled around. Um, and we usually let Kalani uh, talk more specifically about injuries. Uh, we will leave that to him. But uh, Malik's hopefully not as long-term than short-term. Is there a chance he gets back in October, do you think? Um, I hope so. It's, you know, I just, I, I probably, you know, I, I, anything that I say, I feel like I'm always wrong on injuries. <laughs> okay. so it's, I just would leave that up to Malik or... Not season ending, we hope, though, for Malik at this point. Show at the training staff. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. More people would tune in. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but not for the season, we wouldn't think with Malik. Hope not. I uh, sure. I'm hoping. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's that's one thing that BYU's been able to avoid for the most part are the catastrophic so far this year. That's where right. guys are like out for the year. Yeah. Yeah. That the you know the typical like ACL. Yeah. Haven't had that knock on wood. So. Um, the, most of the rest of these injuries are just a matter of um, pain management and gotcha. whatever um, rehab is necessary to get them back strong. Uh, some Utah State notes. Um, they had 142 rushing yards at halftime, but finished with only 204. Um, what helped you defend the run better after the break? Well, we just changed the – we essentially ran the same uh, front and coverage. We just changed the angles of the front a little bit, and uh, but the same fits and the same defense. And so it was just – we uh, we just weren't finding those angles in the first half we needed. We had the – uh, like I said, the correct numbers, the correct guys. So we didn't change who was supposed to be where. We just changed slightly where they aligned, and it helped us get a little bit better to the point of attack, recognize the plays more quickly. And, and how much is that is that assessment period at the break proving helpful to you as a staff to make, because they've, they've been noticeable differences from one half to the other lately. Sure, yeah, and I think that's just part of getting uh, other, getting opponents' best shot, is that defensively and offensively there's going to be a, a wrinkle that that you just may not have seen before. The other team is is highly motivated. The other team's coaching staff is highly motivated. These are career changers. These are game changers, and so they they bring their best shot. and uh, And I think you know there's there are also adjustments that are made throughout the first quarter and throughout the 
the first half, but uh, that, that halftime is so critical to, I think, a winning football program. Okay, what's going on? What's the new thing we're seeing? And how, how can we adjust, but yet not try to reinvent the whole wheel? Not that you were content at 17-17, but were you confident that the second half could belong to BYU and take control like you did the week before against Wyoming? Um, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, part of, um, part of playing as the favorite, I think, is also like uh, the realization of, hey, uh, we're not playing at our, at our full capacity right here. If we are as good as uh, we think we are, then, then and others think you are. Score doesn't taste right, and yeah. um, so I, I think it's a motivator to go into halftime like that. It's not, it's not the motivator we want. We'd like to just come out right from the opening kickoff, but uh, at least it is a, a serves as a wake-up call or has. Okay, flashing forward in a little bit, how do you anticipate that the external perspective of BYU Notre Dame impacts your guys this week going in? Yeah, you're, you're the underdog. I, I always feel good about um, about BYU when you know when we're humble, um, when we're confident, but we, when we also feel like we have an opportunity. And I think that um, this type of matchup is one where I think you're going to get really a really hard-fought game by both sides because I think both sides see a victory as a chance to completely define their season up to this point. And uh, that's, that's, that's when there's going to be a lot of effort. I agree. All right, break time. As we step aside, we remind you to watch after further review tomorrow at 7 o'clock Eastern time on the BYU TV app. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon breaking down the game for you like never before. When we come back, more with BYU Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb as the Coordinator's Corner continues. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We're back with more with Coach Lamb right after this. The snap back to Rico. The placement is down, and the Oldroyd kick is up, and it is through for three. Jake Oldroyd ties the game at 17, with 2.32 to play until halftime. Lavelle Edwards Stadium, back on the coordinator's corner, visiting with BYU special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. Cougs now 4-1 on the year after that 38-26 home win over the Aggies. BYU facing now the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame Saturday night in Las Vegas. Uh, in the Utah State win, Coach, uh, you take control in the third quarter. BYU does. Led 31-20 after three. In the fourth quarter, a couple of missed field goals that might have had BYU add to that tally. Jake Oldroyd now um, one for his last six on field goal tries. Where do things stand right now with the place kicker situation? Best way I can describe it, Jake's a talented kicker that's, that's in a slump. And so, uh, you know, when, when he is, I am. And so we've got to find a way together to bring him back. I think that's our best and highest potential as a team. And yet uh, also, you know, that the uh, Justin Smith is our, is our backup kicker and, and he deserved a chance to really compete for that starting spot right now. It's a, it's a results, results based business. I've said that before and, and the results, you know, continue to trend in the wrong direction. Two games ago, I think you only had the one field goal try, and you gave it to Justin Smith in the Wyoming game, makes the kick. Um, and then yet, the week after, Jake was back. Um, is this a week-to-week -week thing now uh, between Jake and Justin? Um, well, I guess I guess in one sense, it's always a day-to-day -day or week-to-week, snap-to-snap thing. I, I know that in the previous game, we just planned to play them both, and we didn't have a lot of opportunities. And then so when the, when the opportunity came up for Justin, the game was getting toward the end, and we said, well, Justin, we were going to give him a chance to kick, and this is probably needs to be be the one and in this last week uh, we felt like in practice that Jake had, had really done a nice job and was ready to go and, and uh, clearly the results didn't match what he would want. What kind of conversations are you two having and how much do you get into the head of a kicker who's in a slump at this you know like he is right now? 
I think there's a real balance uh, between uh, showing trust and faith in uh, in that kicker, um, and um, you know at the same time trying to figure out what's what's going on. I'm certainly not to, trying to play psychologist with any of our players, and I think that's dangerous ground. But I want to show uh, confidence in them. I want to continue to work with them. With uh, with kickers and punters, they're they're stroke or swing is is so uh, personalized you know at the at really when you get down to the nuanced details of it that it, I think the most helpful thing for them is to point out inconsistencies to point out differences so we'll go back to video from a year or two ago when things were going well compare that to the current video pick out some some swing points some movement points and say what kind of differences are you seeing which of these do you like which of these is part of your natural progression as a kicker and so that's kind of what we're working through right now. And, and they have most of these specialists, including Jake, he's got a, an outside kicking coach that he'll work with with those same types of things. Is it, is, it, is it equal parts mechanical and mental when you get into a slump like this? I think his mechanics right now are really clean. I mean, the, the ball is like he's not snap hooking. He's not shanking. These are, these are narrow misses that are flying true. And, uh, they're, they're flying high in the air. He's getting great lift. He's getting great punch. He's getting great distance. And so um, these need to be are, are most likely alignment issues, or and, uh, and not just the alignment of his of his plant foot and follow through, but maybe where his hips are at. Okay. And then where's his head at? Do you think right now? Yeah, I think I think he's disappointed. I mean, I think um, you know, for me, I just don't see the game in that way. I think you know, those that have played sports would agree. Uh, you know, it's, it, I don't think that. Um, I don't think it's something where there's there are magic words that are going to fix this. I think that he's uh, he's disappointed, and it's just good old-fashioned work, surrounded by people that believe in you. And that's my main purpose is to continue to believe in him. On perfect on PATs and doing a good job for you on kickoffs. Yes, yeah, he's done a really nice job. I, I thought it last week was his best uh, kickoff game. He's really booming the ball deep, and we haven't been able to do that as yeah. consistently as we'd like. It was also on target, so when the opponent did try to return it, we were able to pin him inside the 20 uh, when they tried to return it out of the end zone. So that's a huge part of the game. All right, to, to a different part of the game. And um, penalties are rarely uh, a be-all and end-all in any football game. It's not a very determinant stat, as it turns out. But you've had back-to-back -back weeks with double-digit penalties. Uh, what about that concerns you at this point, if it does? Oh, the types of penalties. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, uh, there's, there are certain penalties where we feel like that we're playing hard, we're playing well, we're playing within uh, what we've been coached to do, and uh, a player's helmet gets too low or something like that. Um, you know, but in, in the... When it comes down to the personal fouls after the whistle that are control, composure type penalties, if we're throwing shoes, if we're pushing on helmets, you know, that kind of stuff is just complete lack of composure. That is no place, that has no place in a winning football program, that has no place in a, in a, a tight game, and that has no place in an individual's game in, in any type of game. And, and right now we really need to clean up that area. Okay. Uh, tough to lose games when you score on defense, and BYU did score on defense second time this year. Max Tooley ties for the national lead, two pick sixes on the year for Max. Yeah, great drop by Max. He was, um, you know, some people might say, you know, looking at the playbook that he was a little out of position, but that's something that we really focus on is the ability for underneath droppers to see the quarterback's eyes and, and what uh, Coach Shitake calls steel, steel eyes, and that's exactly what he did. He, he found it. The defensive line, uh, there was great coverage on the outside first in the man-to-man -man phase. That forced the quarterback to kind of stare down the route. The defensive line found that stare down and got a hand on it. I think John Nelson. John Nelson got a hand yeah. on it. And then Max was there too. And so I, I think it was really, there, there were several pieces of the puzzle there that led to the pick.
and one of three takeaways on the night for BYU and still no giveaways on offense for a fourth consecutive game. Mentioned it with Coach Roderick, Coach Lamb, but uh, first time in BYU football history dating back to Lavelle in 1972 that BYU's gone four consecutive games without a giveaway. That's hard to do in college football. So hard to do, yeah. Our offensive staff uh, emphasizes that. We emphasize that as a whole program. The first thing you'll hear a defensive coach say after an interception is ball security. We want to make sure those guys are carrying the football correctly. They don't always do it, but it's definitely something our players know, take pride in, and uh, that, we, that we work hard on. It's remarkable that since the start of the 2021 season, BYU's played 18 games, and 11 of them have had zero giveaways, so well more than half. Uh, it, it's, not, it, it's clearly something that defines this program right now. Each week, uh, each coordinator gets up in front of the whole team and talks about uh, you know, things we did well, things we need to improve on, players that played well. And it always starts uh, on offense with turnovers, takeaways, whatever you're calling them in that instance, mm-hmm. um, how we did. And a quick note before the break on statistics, uh, BYU under Kalani now 12-0 at home and 25-2 overall with no giveaways and 26-2 at home with an even or a positive turnover margin. Good stuff. All right, players of the game. Let's get to special teams. Players of the game from the Utah State game. We have top rock and top block and MVP for special teams. Let's, let's get to them. Uh, uh, Chris Jackson did a uh, really nice job on coverage, especially punt coverage. Utah State has some really good uh, gunner control guys, and Chris just continued to fight. Didn't always win, but, uh, but made the play regardless of whether he won early or not. Uh, Lane Lunt did a really nice job on kickoff return, as did Terrence Fall. Those guys have been uh, very solid and, and uh, playing with excellent technique in the return game. And then uh, Hobbs Nyberg, I think any time that a, a return man gets it, I think the whole units, the punt return unit, the kickoff return unit, I thought both of those units took an advantage over Utah State in that game. And I think Hobbs has separate kickoff returns of 30 and 35 yards, and BYU scored touchdowns after both of those kickoff returns in the ensuing drive. It completely changes the way that we call our, our offense. And uh, well, I shouldn't say call, it's, it's not so much the play calls, it's just the way that we see mm-hmm. the game at, at that standpoint as you move throughout the field. And uh, so credit the kickoff return team for getting that going. Yep, Hobbs put BYU to the midfield pretty quickly. All right, uh, and then Coach E, Coach Elijah Tuiaki, gave us his defensive players of the game, and he IDs Jacob Robinson and Micah Harper. Yeah, those, these, these two guys have been so versatile. I'm thrilled to have the chance to have worked with both of them. Jacob played safety last year. He's moved into the corner room now, but we, the corners and safeties work closely together. Micah Harper moved from corner to safety this year mm-hmm. for a reason. We felt like he would give us something. He had a minor ankle injury in fall camp that kept him from being in, involved in the lineup earlier in the season, but he's full speed now, and those guys are playing really, really at a high level. Absolutely. Time again for a break. When we come back, I'll look ahead to BYU and Notre Dame with Coach Ed Lamb. As we break, we remind you that for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation from right here in Studio B at noon Eastern Time, BYU TV and BYU Radio. You are in the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. More with Coach Ed Lamb coming up right after this. Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, Built Bar, Fuel the Journey, and by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's. The Burger Boys wrapping up with BYU Special Teams coach Ed Lamb. This Saturday, it's BYU and Notre Dame. The Cougars playing for their third win all-time against the Irish. BYU has one win in South Bend and one in Provo. The uh, helmet we just saw zooming out there from the coming out of the break is uh, part of the new uniform that BYU will wear this weekend. You've seen it. Your thoughts, Coach Lamb? 
I, the players are excited about it, and that, what, that's what matters. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm an old man. I like, I like the white BYU helmet, and uh, and you know, if the players like it, I like it. It'll be an all-black uniform combination for BYU with this helmet against the all-white look for Notre Dame uh, this weekend. All right, into Notre Dame a little bit. Uh, you've been into them for a while now. Your thoughts on a, a two and two Fighting Irish team? What do you see? Well, they're really difficult to prepare for offensively. They have they do so many different things, uh, so many a myriad of different personnel groups, and and they'll go with bigger personnel and spread out, and they'll go with lighter personnel and, and go condensed, and so it's really hard to get a bead on on what they do. And and um, in that case, it, it limits the defense. We're just going to have to play good, solid, fundamental, sound football on defense, and and get off blocks, shed blocks, and and run to the football. And is it is it typical Notre Dame football for those who like to view Notre Dame as a certain style of play? Do you see that from this team? Um, I think so. I, I in think terms of like yeah, the, the, the big, size and strong, the physicality, the whole thing. Yeah. Yes, and I and I think that that plays to their strength. Um, and then you know if if defensively, if a team tries to kind of overcommit and and uh, commit too many guys to that physicality or that run box, then you know they have they've got some things that they do that can really uh, put a challenge to the defense. And good to be back at Allegiant Stadium. One good experience there last year. Should be fun again. Yep, that's right. Yeah, it's a, it was a great experience last year for the players and, uh, and coaches too, and we're looking forward to being back. All right, Coach Lamb, good luck in the prep. And uh, this weekend against the Fighting Irish, we'll see you back in studio next week. Thanks, Greg. All right, that's Coach Ed Lamb. That'll do it for the Coordinator's Corner Week 6 edition. For Coaches Roderick and Lamb, my name is Greg Rubel. Saying go Cougs and have a great week. We'll see you next Monday.